Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, H-Town, home of the 2022 <laughs> world champion Houston Astros? Welcome to the Believe in Astros World Champion Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky, and my partner, uh, the the rather tired as am I, oh. uh, Jeff Lum. Um, we did make it to do this podcast. It's after seven at night. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you did, Blummer. I Anything needed a nap. To, I needed a nap today. Um, yeah, I, I needed several sandwiches. Um, I. I needed a lot. Let's just, I'm not going to say what I did last night other than to say I needed some bread today. Um, yeah. The, the more starch, the better. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube. Give us a follow on Twitter at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky, and you can find Blummer at Blummer27. Uh, so, Blummer, before I uh, hit up our sponsor here, how are you feeling this evening? <laughs> well, considering. That I have yeah. got my World Series <laughs> champions hat on my head. I am. I'm yes. feeling pretty good. Last night was an incredibly. I was invested. You know, I I know that this is the fourth time that they've been in a World Series, but for whatever reason, circumstances that that were going on, the quality of the team. I, I was thoroughly invested, and that's why my voice sounds the way it does. That's why I'm going to be clearing my throat through this podcast. But yeah. I, I was invested, and they came through, and I, I was legitimately happy, and I partook in a lot of enjoyments last night. You had a celebratory great. evening, as we yes. all did, as I hope all of Houston did, especially given the fact that HISD is calling off school tomorrow. Um, yeah. Uh, so let me let me get our sponsor here, Bet Online. Uh, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs. If you were smart, you did like Mattress Mac and bet ten million on the Astros <laughs> with a return of seventy five big ones. I mean, I'll you know, look Winning. Mattress Mac. He doesn't need any extra money. Um, I, well, I'll texted a buddy. I, I should have texted you. We should pool our money and do the same thing he does, whatever it is next year. Absolutely, one hundred percent. The guy, <laughs> the guy wins. He just keeps winning. Uh, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet. All your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf, I guarantee you there's already a, there's already a line out there for next year's World Series champion, and I can almost guarantee you the Astros are going to be at the top of that list. Uh, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So let's just start with you were at the game. Obviously, um, yep. tell me about your experience because mine was mine was simple. I was at home. 
I was right. I had to write a story after the game. As I mentioned to you earlier, I had my windows open. It was a nice, cool night. You could hear every time there was a strikeout. You could hear people around my neighborhood cheering and yelling. Um, I, you can imagine what it was like when Jordan hit mm-hmm. that bomb. Oh. Um, and then there were a lot of woos and screaming and perhaps sobbing. Um, and that's, I'm just talking about my house when the game was over, <laughs> never mind the rest of my neighborhood, but t- get, let's, let's hear a little bit of the, uh, what happened for you last night. What was, what was it like being at the game? Well, I tell you what, you know, I, I've been very lucky. I got to do some work with KPRC channel two and Randy McAvoy and all those guys. Uh, they've been wonderful to me, but we had a chance to do a little pregame shot, you know, a show maybe for about 20, mm-hmm. 30 minutes before the game as fans were coming in and, we had done this already through the ALCS game one and two, but there was a different vibe coming into that ballpark. There was this anticipation, this incite, excitement, this anxiety, but it, it, it was an energy that I felt was anticipating the positivity, the great outcome that we got. So it was already fun showing up and getting in there, but getting in your seat, you know, we heard hear about Zach Wheeler's fatigue, his arm, how long is he going to last? Is it going to be a bullpen game? What's Rob Thompson going to do? Right. And we knew Fromber was going to be on the mound. And for whatever reason, I just had this Zen-like calm about Fromber that he was going to go out there and do what Fromber can do. And he did exactly that. He shoved. And I I don't know if we talked about it. We said it's going to be a quality start. That's (laughs) all that guy's done throughout the course of the season. But you get to that moment in the sixth inning. And again, Jordan Alvarez... Hadn't done much in the World Series, but again, he found himself with an opportunity to have an impact, and the expectation was on him, and he took a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and proceeded to launch it about 500 feet over the batter's eye in Minute Maid Park, and stay tuned to all my social media, because once I get my wits about me, my (laughs) wife got a great video of me screaming at Jordan before the pitch came and then me losing my absolute mind. And I felt like I was 12. Yeah. I felt like I was 12 years old again. And, uh, yeah. So the memories, memories are, are intact and ready. And, uh, it it, it was a relief and such a joyous sensation all at once. I I tell you, um, we're going to talk about that Jordan bomb here in a second. Um, I like for me, it was funny, you know, I don't want to say like, you know, it's almost like an act like you've been there because I I think many of us felt like, look, you and I called it. We both picked them in six games. Um, not to exactly, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but oh, you can, we can. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. We'll go ahead. You Um, earned it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I will say this, you know, um, I felt like this was the game for them. It just seemed like the mm. momentum had so dramatically yep. swung their direction after winning two in a row in Philly, the way that they did, especially with the no-hitter. Um, you know, Fromber was on the mound, who I, I really, in truth, think he's there. at the, When the season was coming to an end into the postseason, he's been their best pitcher. Um, yeah. And so you, you had really your ace on the mound in game six. Um, and, you know... It was it was a remarkable performance by him. It was remark again remarkable performance by the bullpen. Just tremendous resiliency. It was something where I was super excited about it. I probably didn't have quite the catharsis I did in 2017 because that was the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also might have been slightly le- less inebriated than I was in 2017. <laughs> um, but but I will say that it was it was such a 
relief, like to me, watching it more than anything else. There was just this sort of great cathartic feeling that this team, because it was honestly, it's kind of what everyone expected. They were so good, so consistently good. And mm-hmm. then they swept both of their division series before their division and concert and, and uh, conference series before they got to the World Series. It just felt like an inevitability, even though obviously we couldn't uh, totally believe that, but it just did. And um, it was a, it was just a great moment. But look, let's we can't just sit here with the elephant in the room. We've got to talk about this Jordan home run because damn, I I mean, I was t- I've talked to a few people. Damn, I know who've watched a bunch of games and. All of them had said they had never seen a ball hit over the batter's eye. Now, I'm sure it's probably happened in batter's practice, batting practice, maybe once or twice. But in a game, nobody's ever done that. And it was, it was, I, I literally stood up upstairs, my wife and I were upstairs, and I yelled, he hit it over the goddamn batter's eye. I mean, who does that? <laughs> it, it was something out of a Marvel comic book. It, 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 that, totally. That's the only way I can explain it because, you know, you, you we've all watched the past videos of, of of World Series highlights and these 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 dramatic home runs and they they creep over the fence or they're three or four or right. five rows back and you're like, <gasps> and there's all this anticipation right. of watching the ball flying through the sky. Is it going to get over the fence? Is the defender going to get up there and make a play on it? Dear God, this guy absolutely <laughs> obliterated it. And going back to game one to start off the, the division series against the Mariners, there was no doubt about that one. Right. And there was no anticipation. It was as soon as he made contact, we won the game. And then all of a sudden in that sixth inning, he makes contact and hits he hits it and you and you're almost you knew it was gone, so you're fist pumping, but then you like you said, you kind of get to the point where you're like, Holy shnikes, that that thing went over the batter's eye. So it just it added this Paul Bunyan-esque layer to yes. what he accomplished. Absolutely. And I think what was so crazy about it is I think everybody held their breath for a second because it was hit into a part of the park where nobody hits it out. Yes, like, I mean, exactly. it was hit towards the batters. I was just 40 feet tall. I mean, I've stood out there. I don't know if anybody's if I mean, I'm sure you've been out there, Blummer. I've stood oh. out there and had a drink and looked out. The- we called a game from there one day. Did you really? Yeah, we were I sitting mean, where that thing landed. It would have hit TK right in the lap. That. The home plate from there looks minuscule. I was telling my wife last night, I was trying to explain to her exactly what it was like. I said, imagine if you stood on the corner right down the street from our house and you hit the ball into the field a block away. Like that's essentially (laughs) what he did. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so I mean, just, the, just to pause. give it some context, like you're talking about, it, it, when it says 409, those are all to the base of the wall at all these right. stadiums. So the base of the center field wall is 409. Then it's what, about a six or seven foot high wall out there in center field. Yeah. So you've got a clear 420 to get it out of the ballpark. And then, like you said, a 40 foot batter's eye out there right. and he hits it over it. They, they couldn't even estimate how far. The, 450 is the biggest farce no, I've ever heard. That's that thing would have gone ridiculous. 500 feet. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. There is no way that was 450 feet. No. I, you know, like 450 feet is in the upper tank in right field, right? Yes. It's up on the railroad tracks. That was well beyond those. No. I mean, that was insane. It was just, yeah. and when he hit it, 
it was it was interesting to me too, and I don't know if it felt like that in the in the ballpark, but there was like an there was sort of an audible like pause. You can mm-hmm. see it on the television where kind of everybody went like there was this except for one guy behind home plate. There was one dude <laughs> behind home plate. If you watch the video, he's like immediately. I'm like, well, who is that guy? Like that guy is, must have amazing read. depth perception, right? <laughs> but like, yeah, there was it was like there was this audible moment where people were like, did he just? What even even Jordan was kind of watching it like everybody was watching it like they knew, but also you had to see it, and you just don't see anything like that. I mean, that's not something you see on a, in a regular season. Never mind in no. a world freaking series. Yeah, no, it, it, like you said, it's something you see in batting practice for fun. Where you're just like, oh, that guy's he just slammed into it and swung with all of his might. Jordan right. still goes out and does this thing with the leisurely swing and power that he always has, yeah. and. You know, one thing that we've talked about, one thing I consistently try to talk about anytime I do an interview and talk about Jordan Alvarez is the dude is a damn good hitter. Oh, yeah. There is a reason he hit that ball as hard as he could because he was ready for it, because his mind was prepared for the situation. He had seen the release point of Alvarado. Mm -hmm. He had been doing a great job against left-handed pitching all season long, and Rob Thompson thought he had his secret weapon to neutralize a guy like Jordan Alvarez. And it came down to that moment, and there was a flashpoint at contact where Jordan just announced his dominance again and uh, took this team into that World Series championship. Man, uh, again, once again in this postseason, we see another decision to go lefty on lefty that blows up in a team's faces. Like you're right, people have got to stop thinking that they have got to throw lefty on lefty. It's that if if those, I mean, Jordan's two home runs. The first one against the Mariners and this one, that should be enough to shut everybody up on the lefty on lefty. I mean, maybe it works if the lefty's really good against lefties, but it shouldn't be yeah. the prerequisite of automatically, you know, but against it, these guys. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense anymore. No, but I want to follow up and on what you just said. I would not make sense because if you are an analytic team or you believe in numbers, you should read them. <laughs> Because they say that there was a very good potential that that might happen. Maybe not to the extent that he hits a 500-foot bomb for, for to put him ahead, but he's going to put together a pretty damn good at bat. I was like, Jordan, my God, that baseball has a family. I know, I, I mean, saw that. He just, he just murdered that thing. What did the ball yeah. sound like coming off the bat? Because we've talked about this on here before, about when a guy hits a home run, Coming off the bat, it has a it has a sound. You can immediately yeah. notice. Could did you hear it when it came off the bat? Well, there was there was this there was just this ambient you know noise running through the ballpark because of the anticipation yeah. and everybody screaming and yelling and uh, you know just the anticipation. So there was this constant like just murmur going around the ballpark in anticipation he's you know he swung at the one of the pitches and you're like ooh, and then yeah. all of a sudden he gets the pitch and he does make contact but there's there is a certain it's not a thud it's a it's a it's a crisp clap of yeah. the leather against the wood of the bat that is a very distinct noise where you know that he clipped it and you're like okay he got that good but then to see the reaction of the baseball and just the astonishment in everybody's faces, because at first it's like, sweet, we got a hit. Uh, Altuve is going to score. We're going to tie this thing up. And then hopefully, you know, we, Payne, you can start running the bases and he'll come right. around if it bounces off the wall. And then you're going, 
it's going out. And then the realization kicked in and all of a sudden you just have this instant fever pitch and this snap in the crowd where you lose your mind, high five and everybody in the vicinity. <laughs> and then as he hits home plate and everybody's still celebrating, you start looking around, they're going, he hit that over the batter's eye. <laughs> and then the realization that he hit it as far as he did kind of set in, but that was yeah, unbelievable. It, it was remarkable. Two of the most incredible home runs I've ever seen this postseason, and both by Jordan Alvarez. What's the farthest you ever hit one? Oh man, maybe four twenty-five. I'm not getting anywhere near what he's done. That's still, no. I mean, I, mean, yeah, I was consistently a, a three eighty guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Pena. I mean. First of all, let me one one other note before we get to Pena. How many bats did the Astros go through last night? I mean, Wheeler <laughs> broke off. He must have broke off ten. Wheeler bats looked on great. He was shattering. I mean, there were a couple of slow mo replays where the ball hit and it the bat just <laughs> exploded. Looked like I mean, a just saw right blade. I uh, just unbelievable. But um, yeah, let's talk about Pena. I mean, the first ever position player as a rookie to win MVP in the World Series. The first ever to do it in both the ALC. In fact, the only other rookie to do it in both was Levon Hernandez um, oh, wow. back for the 97 Marlins. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was brilliant that year. Well, he had Eric Riggs' strike zone that was about the size yeah, of Texas. Well, well, that too. Really good call. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what else? The, the kid is just so ridiculous. And, uh, and, and, and like... I mean, there's no, like we said last time, what else can you say about the guy? But my Lord, he just keeps going out there, keeps hitting, uh, keeps staying consistent, defensively great, has mm. such poise at his age. I mean, what I mean, I don't know. What else can you say, Blummer? There's nothing. I mean, when you, you know, at that age, you know, yes, he's a rookie, and I'm not trying to discount anything, but he went mm-hmm. to college. His father played in the major leagues. He obviously has a very good upbringing and understanding of, of the game. Yeah. And then you add in the athleticism. This guy, yeah. I, I, I know the uniform gives you an idea of how athletic and how strong he is, but the dude is an Adonis. And he plays one of the more athletic positions at shortstop. And he does it to a high value. He's won a gold glove. And now he's doing it on a big stage with every camera on him. What's crazy to me, and I think what probably might hopefully explains it a little bit better, is the fact that he won the ALCS MVP. You say, okay, this guy's legit. He got hot. He was hot at the right time. He made the right plays. He was in a position to, to take advantage of opportunities. He did. Congratulations. You give him a golf clap and go, okay, now let's see who, who wins it in the World Series. And guess what? He didn't, he didn't flinch. There was a four-day layoff, and he continued to go out there and produce in between Altuve and Jordan and, 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 and put it up again. So the fact that he backed up an ALCS with an even greater World Series MVP gives you a very good idea of how, how unbelievably grateful we are to have him in this organization. And I can't even imagine if, if there's an algorithm that can put together and describe the value per dollar, It's he's going to break the code. Because he <laughs> broke the code considering he got a rookie paycheck, yet right. he's a gold glove, uh, a rookie of the year type guy. He may lose to Julio Rodriguez, but wins right. an ALCS and World Series MVP. That is the most bang for the buck I have ever seen in my life. It's unbelievable. It's like somebody offering you a brand new Mercedes and saying, ah, 500 bucks ought to do it. 
Yeah, you're you know, good. Just, Take it. Yeah. You're good. It's fine. Here's the keys. And we, you know, yeah. we'll take it care of it. says Maybach on it, but don't worry about it. You're good. <laughs> exactly. It's all good. It's a Ferrari. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, you should like it. It'll be fine. You know, it doesn't yeah. get great gas mileage, but it's all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's the, the, yeah, that kind of thing too. And, and when you look at, I mean, he's got to have some, I would hope he has at least a few incentives in that contract. Yeah, there's got to be some protection for being great, right? It's like, here you go. Here you go, Jeremy. Here's an extra $50 for you, kid. Enjoy it. You know, it's well, like, my goodness. In, a, in about, what, about three or four months when we start spring training and you hear about his contract renewal, don't yeah. panic. Because right. <laughs> right, it's exactly. not going to justify what he just did. No, absolutely not. And, and obviously, to me, the best story... I mean, the best story of the postseason is Dusty Baker. There's not a better story Hands in down. baseball. And look, we we I, maybe later this week or sometime we'll we'll dig in a little bit into the you know quote unquote dynasty and and you know what all that means mm-hmm. and everything and uh, you know keeping in context the 2017 and all that. But look, really, Dusty Baker, this is one of the greatest uh, members of the baseball family that exists today and maybe has ever existed he's absolutely i mean when he said what's next he said let's party i mean he is a freaking treasure i mean he that guy is a treasure and for him to come here after all these years after all those wins and after not quite you know getting to the ring getting there i guess this was his fourth time fifth time i guess we count last year i mean to be so close and not get it who wasn't just abs? I mean, I don't care if you hate the Astros. You have to be thrilled for Dusty Baker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you think about when he moved in, obviously, after the tumultuous 2020 spring training. Yeah. Uh, he comes in and uh, he does a wonderful job. Now, the idea of having Dusty here was to kind of deflect some of the negativity yeah. because, like you're explaining, you can't get mad at the guy. He had a wonderful playing career. He, you know, everything he experienced on the field, off the field, the adversity, the success, uh, then to turn it into a, a wonderful manager managerial career, um, taking five teams to division to two division titles, now getting another shot at the World Series. Everything was pointing in the direction that Dusty would be rewarded for being the front of this franchise for the last three four years, and. What I started to see in that clubhouse was it was a change from, okay, this guy's not just here to protect us. He's here to encourage us. And that's where that trust kind of developed, I think, is when these guys understood. He's here to kind of deflect a little bit, but at the same time, he's here encouraging us. He wants us to win extremely, extremely badly, whatever. I can't think of the word right now, but I just know that there was this overwhelming feeling that he he wants us to go out there and win. Yeah. And then you kind of got the sense that that team, you know, kind of galvanized around him, took advantage of the opportunities, understood they were good and said, we have an opportunity to bring this World Series championship to Dusty. Wouldn't that look great on our resume as a player? You know, can you imagine being a Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman, a Yuli Gurriel and sitting back and going, I helped get Dusty his first World Series yeah. championship. And those guys used that as motivation. I thought that was tr- it was one of the more pure things out there. I hope it never gets overlooked. And Dusty, congratulations, man. Well done. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else too, Blummer. If you watched him throughout these last couple seasons, it's not like Dusty Baker was set in his ways. This wasn't like mm-hmm. some uh this wasn't like an old school coach who decided it's my way or the highway. 
he changed, you know, he adapted to some of the analytics stuff. You know, you yeah. saw him making decisions that might have gone against his better judgment as someone who's been around baseball for a really long time. Um, and he was flexible with his decision making. And it was impressive. I mean, he's 73 years old. Not very many people at 73 are willing to change their thinking uh, yeah. to suit the way things, the way things. I mean, what we saw um, La Russa this year who mm-hmm. obviously, unfortunately, got Oof. ill. But, like, he's a guy that over the last few years, he really has been coaching the same way. He's been coaching for 30 years, and it's mm-hmm. it's starting to fail him. Excellent Dusty, point. Dusty made the choices that needed to be made in order to make this team better. He didn't shirk away from playing rookies. I mean, David Hensley played in the World Series. You know, That's he a ballsy move, man. <laughs> it is. It's incredible. But he but he went with his gut, and he went with the numbers. And I think that's something that is beyond all of the other stuff, the accolades of Dusty Baker, the, the, the manager, the player, the you know, humanitarian. Mm-hmm. It's laudable. You know, most of us will have a hard time changing, let alone after we've been doing something for 30 years. But he just bent and when he needed to, and it was impressive. It was impressive. I thought it was funny when when we first had a chance to interview Dusty and then he started to get the analytic questions. And I think, you know, there were some parallels between he, he and Tony LaRusso because they were older. They had their success back in the day, but now they're trying to live in this new analytic baseball world. <clears throat> and Dusty gave the answer and said, man, we've been talking about these numbers forever. He goes, we just didn't have cool names for them. You know, and now you have cool names like barrel rates and contact percentages and mm-hmm. launch angles and exit velocities. He, you know, you just basically went out there and tried to hit the ball as hard as you could and move on. But he adapted to that. I think he started to understand them. You know, it took a little while. I give him credit for working through the process. Mm-hmm. But I start. I think he started to understand some of the numbers a little bit better. He also got to understand each player. I think a little bit better too, which helped yeah. marry those two things together. But I still think that they're, you know, the way he handled this pitching staff and so much grief he would take over the years in the past on how he handled pitching staffs, what he did this season in in conjunction with Josh Miller and the numbers, mm-hmm. uh, that I hope they talk about that for a while because he did a wonderful job of leaning on those starters, putting some of those guys in that bullpen in the right position to go out there and, and pitch well. And he understood how to win ball games with the personnel he had. I think that's where he kind of showed some of that old school brilliance with the pitching staff. He just had such great touch with this team, uh, such, you know, diligent patience that I think you just don't see all the time. And I think a lot of people were impatient with it. You know, with, we live in a, what have you, you know, Allison Footer once I was uh, interviewing her for a story and she said, you know, uh, the 24 hour news cycle is now, tw- now 24 seconds, you know? And uh, <laughs> I always thought that was a great line. And it's uh, and I, I feel like, you know, in this sort of, what have you done for me? Not just lately, but what have you done for me in the last five minutes? You know, Dusty Baker is a guy who preached patience, stuck mm-hmm. to his guns, and and again, like we said, went went with what was the the right call based on all of the information that he was provided. And just just really incredible. And hats off to Dusty Baker. Super high levels of respect for that guy. Sounds like he wants to come back. I hope he does. Uh, there's no reason at this point, given that I mean, it's going to be pretty much the same 
roster pretty damn close to it. Yeah, um, that's what's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's no. I mean, they have very few. I think players that are, and we will definitely dig into that as we get into the off season. So the parade is tomorrow. Apparently a noon start. What are you doing for it, Blum? Are you are you working tomorrow? Or are you parading well, tomorrow? What's going down? You know, well, obviously we we get the offer to be a part of the parade yeah. uh, through the Astros, but. And I'm not sure, you know, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but uh, I have been offered an opportunity to cover the the parade uh, for the length of it uh, for Channel 13, ABC, ABC 13. Nice. So I will be on with uh, a panel and uh, we will be on set, on site watching that parade go down uh, down the street and i'm sure there'll be plenty of very good colorful commentary uh, I, I will have wait. to get my quips together and uh, <laughs> you know hopefully sober up a little bit maybe for the yeah. time being tell and, me about uh, it and enjoy it because you know there's nothing greater than being out i remember the 2017 i got to walk it my wife and i just kind of walked ahead of all the players but you know we got to kind of be the preamble to what was really coming yeah. but the energy that comes out of this crowd, the energy that comes out of that city at that time, and remember that was after the Hurricane Harvey, yeah, and winning a championship, and really seeing that this this community come together, and that was really our first year in Houston as a family, and we fell in love with the place because of the the humanitarianism, the the mm. the grace and the humility of everybody coming together to help each other get through those moments, and then you get a chance to walk through it and see it. I feel like we're at another kind of inflection point in the sense that as a fan base for the Astros, we have all been through so much. We, we have, yeah. we have fought for this team. We have spoken for this team. We have taken it on the chin for this team and they went out and got us an opportunity to celebrate. And I hope that I, yeah. what we get to see tomorrow is that opportunity to celebrate and see the smiles on those guys' faces as they see the energy return from the fans and they get to be a part of that. That's what I can't wait to see is the Houston community interacting with this ball club. Yeah, Houston fans are spectacular, uh, speaking they as are. one myself. Um, I, I will tell you my two favorite moments from the Astros, like, the, one from this year, one from last year in terms of fans. The first one was in that, in, or not last year, but in 2017, was the hat return. Yeah, being passed up. The, where they tossed the hat up. The I mean, this is this is exactly the kind of thing you would you would see in Houston. Like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not sure any other city would work as hard to get somebody their damn hat back. But yeah. Houstonians worked real hard to get that guy his baseball cap back. The second one was <laughs> last night on TV. I'm sure you've probably seen the clip by now. The Fox reporter interviewing and asked the guy, <laughs> what, what do you have to say to people who criticize the Astros? For And here's the thing is, he dropped an F-bomb on live TV, which was spectacular. Yep. He also made turned the reporter into someone like from the office or something where it just seemed like a non-scripted like a comedy sitcom. But the mm-hmm. best part might have been, it wasn't just that he dropped the F-bomb. He said, F y'all. Y'all. Yeah. I mean, he was wearing That's the how old you know school, you're from Houston. It's the old school Astros jersey. Yeah. And he's, I, it, to me, that was one of the most, it was legendary uh, iconic. television. Iconic. <laughs> fandom. Well, I'm actually going to be calling the parade tomorrow as well. I will be live on KUHF for all... Dude, two or three awesome. hours of the parade. I did this in 2017 as well. There'll be a group of three or four of us in the studio watching Channel 13, I might add. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, having they'll have some people on the ground 
uh, doing fan interviews, which I'm sure will be absolutely <laughs> fascinating and entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we're both going to be uh, uh, working the parade. It should be fun. I these are the kind of moments to me as a fan, as someone who's been here, lived here my whole life, grew up in Houston. Uh, I, this is the kind of stuff that um, really helps me to uh, see what Houston's all about. It really does embody how people here are, how nice people here generally are, what an incredibly diverse community we have filled with all kinds of different people from different backgrounds, walks of life. Um, it was never more brought more into focus than during Harvey. Um, when you saw the just, you know, people from all over the city, all different walks of life, helping one another. Um, and obviously this is not quite that in terms of the catharsis that we, what we got in 2017, but I agree with you. Astros fans have taken so much garbage for so many years now. And this is the culmination of all of that nonsense mm -hmm. that we've had to deal with. All of that John Boy media, um, you know, uh, garbage can throwing, you know, nonsense. And uh, the Astros are the best team in baseball. And this time, nobody is going to question it. I mean, there are some nope. that are still going to hate us. But it's like, that's what she's to hate us. Good. S Mm, just breathe yeah. in that breathe in that hate man yeah, suck it good. in let it wash yeah. over you it's beautiful Be because it you know is. what you're not done reading about this team no I, I don't think i think you're going to start seeing articles talking about this team being one of the best teams of all time did you see the jason stark article today because that's a good one there was yeah. jason stark did that one in the atlantic that's what that's why i brought it up he 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 did a good job on that one he really did and it was really and he talked to bob costas which i always think is a he's he's like sort of a good barometer because yeah. costas is kind of a little boring. As long as he does it off air, we're good. <laughs> I was man. I said it. It's cool. Well played. Well played, Flummer. All right. Well, good luck at the parade tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure it will be a blast. I will be in yeah. studio at KUHF on uh, 88.7 FM, Blummer on ABC 13. So we'll both be we'll be both working radio and TV angles. That's that's what we got. And yep. back, I think, later in the week to just sort of break this down, see where we're at going into the offseason, talk a little bit about the, the Astros dynasty um, and, uh, you know, where they're going from here. Because yep. I don't think it's going – they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, um, it, yeah, it's not getting to the peak and then going back down the backside like a lot of these organizations do after they win. I mean, these Astros have been kind of maintaining that upward trajectory. Yeah. They might be on the same path. I mentioned the Levon Hernandez and the Marlins. No better example of a team that went off a cliff immediately after the World yeah. Series. I mean, they went from or the, the World 2019 Series. Washington Nationals. Good God. Right. Exactly. So, and the Astros, that's not them because they've managed nope. their salary cap well. They've signed good players. They've been ruthless when they needed to be. <laughs> uh, it's a good time to be an Astros fan. That's all I can say. Lots more to come on Believe in Astros podcast presented yes. by Bet Online. Uh, obviously, we want you to join us with the offseason coming. We're going to be Stay churning. With us. On, we ain't going anywhere. No, we're not. We're going to be churning and burning on all sorts of interesting stuff, particularly digging into where the, what the Astros are going to be next year and what what do we have coming up from the minor leagues? Because I'm going to give you a secret. I did some reviewing this week. There's some good stuff in the minor leagues for the Astros. I don't care what people say about oh, them man. being one of the one of the bat, worst farm teams, and uh, their farm system may not be great top to bottom. 
but they have some top tier talent that could make a dent I in agree. this roster over the next two yeah, years. Yeah, you got to stay tuned on those guys. Yeah, by far, but yeah, the worst farm system who brought Hunter Brown and Jeremy Payne to the big leagues this year, by the way. Wait till Yanir Diaz Chaz. and yeah. Pedro Leon and a few others are up here. I mean, it's not going to take long. It's not going to take long. And All we right, haven't guys, seen thanks. the best of Corey Lee. Sorry, I, I mean, yeah, Corey, that's a whole other podcast. No, Stay tuned. You're, you're 100% <laughs> right. We didn't even talk about Corey Lee, who was on the roster last night and got himself a ring. All right. Yep. Thanks, Blummer. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you guys later this week. Have fun at the parade tomorrow. If you drink, take an Uber. That's all I can tell you. Astros are World Series champs. Thanks so much. Go Astros. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.